I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listeners, and hi, Megan. Hi, Amy. Today we have a special bonus episode because there's been some update on one of the cases we've covered, the story of Sarah Butler. Now, if you haven't listened yet to Sarah Butler's story, please check it out. It was episode 24. I'll give you a a brief little summary of the case if you have not listened or maybe you just need a refresher. On the evening of November 22nd, 2016, College sophomore Sarah Butler left her New Jersey home to meet up with a man she met on the internet. Nine days later, her body was found in a nearby park. Just days later, an online sting operation by Sarah's family and friends led police to her killer and information on two unsolved murders. The killer was Khalil Wheeler Weaver, a local 20-year-old man who, after just two hours of deliberation, was found guilty of murder. This was on December 19th, 2019. One of the reasons I wanted to cover this case was because it had not received much media attention, and it was also just so tragic, and it was a local case. And if you recall, at the end of our discussion, we talked about whether or not Khalil was a serial killer. Right. I do remember that. Yes. And we said, yes, he, in fact, should have been classified as a serial killer. Yeah, we both agreed on that. And the media, as they're reporting his sentencing, which is what we're here today to talk about, they do refer to him as a serial killer. Finally. Yes. So on October 9th, just the other day, 2021, Wheeler Weaver, who's now 25, was sentenced to 160 years in prison for the murder of not only Sarah, who was 20 at the time, but also the two other known murder victims, Robin West, who was 19, and Joanne Brown, who was 33. Now, this punishment was also for the kidnapping, sexual assault, and attempted murder of Tiffany Taylor. I'm sorry, and how many years did he get? 160. So we're not going to see him on parole. That's good. We will not see him on parole. And... I want to ask you, you know, I'd like to dissect that sentence. But before we do that, 
Let's talk about the fact that he was found guilty in December of 2019, and it is now October of 2021. Now, that's a pretty big delay between conviction and sentencing. Yeah, but it's also COVID time. Yes. So uh, unfortunately, COVID has backed up the courts even more substantially than they already were backed up. And usually when you're convicted, I mean, this was probably a sentence that we could have guessed, but there's always a time between conviction and sentencing where they prepare reports. It's not... But it's usually under 90 days. In fact, it's usually between 30 to 90 days mm. of a guilty verdict that we see some sort of sentencing. That's true. But like you said, it doesn't actually matter because he wasn't going anywhere quick. So it didn't matter necessarily for Wheeler Weaver, but for the victims and the victims' mm -hmm. families, they're, you know, these poor people are awaiting some form of closure. So that's quite a long time because Sarah's murder occurred in the fall of 2016. Is there something that I'm missing? Was it there was there another reason you think other than the COVID slowdown or you think that was it? Too? I don't. From what I from what I read, it had been delayed several times because of the pandemic. And as you said, there's such a backlog because of the pandemic. Yeah. So where was he during this time? He was housed at Essex County Jail. Now that he is sentenced, he's going to be transferred. Where do you think they're going to transfer him? We know the New Jersey prison system. Oh, wait, sorry. He's housed at Essex, you said? Essex County Jail right now. Is he going to go to Trenton or Rahway? So I was thinking, so I'm thinking Trenton. So did you know that Trenton is the only New Jersey state prison that is completely max security facility? So Trenton houses the most dangerous, difficult offenders in the state. And you know what else I learned, which I did not know? So I did know that it was the oldest prison in New Jersey, but it's actually one of the oldest prisons in the United States. I knew that. You did? Yes, ah. I did know that. Okay. But I, you know what? I knew that, but I didn't know that it was the only Max facility in New Jersey. Yeah, so although other prisons house Max, right? So Northern State, Eastern State, and others. So they have minimum, medium, and maximum programming and housing. So Trenton's the only one that's strictly Max security. And up until 2007, another fun fact, they housed New Jersey's death row population. Ah, and they don't house them anymore because New Jersey abolished the death penalty that's in why 2007. I said, that's why I said up to 2007. I know. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't hear me say that part. <laughs> I was just letting other people okay. know that for anyone yes. who didn't know, New Jersey uh, had the death penalty in 2007 yes. when they abolished it. So regardless of where they sent him, though, I bet he will be placed in protective custody due to the nature of his crimes. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, because he's not on death row. So it's a but it's a max prison sexual assault. That's a hard one to tell because you're going to have it's maximum. So you have a lot of violent offenders. So I'm not sure if they're going to class him because a serial killer. He might go to shoe special housing unit. possible. I was thinking because he because of the brutal nature of his crimes and sexual assault against, you know, all of these women, I would think. I mean, we know that people who sexually assault children are kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, but he's not far behind with his crimes. Yeah, I agree. OK, let's get back to the sentencing. In the United States, you will very often hear from those who have been affected by crime. Now, this is also known as the victim impact statements during the sentencing part. So these are really important for the courts for them to understand the harm that was caused by the crime. And these are statements that are given either by direct victims or indirect victims. So these are either by you know, family members, the person who, if someone wasn't murdered, but they were just harmed, so it would be the person who was the actual victim. Sometimes it's just a community member. And this is when individuals describe the emotional, physical, financial impact, any really any impact that the crime has had on them and other people. And these are usually given orally, but sometimes they are written and read by a third party. 
Yeah, I used to collect um, victim impact statements when I was a probation officer for the pre-sentence report. And sometimes people just felt more comfortable writing them down as opposed to going in and giving the statement. Especially if they were surviving victim, right? Exactly. They don't want to face their offender. Yep. So speaking of victim impact statements, we heard quite a few of them at the sentencing hearing for Khalil Wheeler-Weaver. First, Sarah's father, Victor Butler, addressed the court. He looked straight at the person who killed his daughter and said, quote, I hope you suffer, boy, every night. Then he turned to the judge and said, quote, I hope you find it in your heart that you can give him the longest maximum sentence. Mr. Butler also spoke to the press and he said, quote, I hope that he lives a very long time and they make him suffer every night in there the way he made our little girl suffer. I guess we know what he's trying to say there. Yeah, some strong words there. Can't blame him. And then the mother of Robin West also made a statement that really focused on her daughter's life and what she misses most about her. Sadly, nobody spoke on behalf of victim Joanne Brown, but I thought it was kind of cool that the prosecutors spoke on her behalf. Yeah, I didn't. I No, I didn't know they could do that. That's interesting. Yeah, so, you know, they, they kept it short, said that, you know, she was loved. and But I thought it was nice that, you know, no family or friends showed up for her, but the prosecution made sure that she had somebody speaking on her behalf. I think that's nice, too. Lastly, they had the victim who survived her attack. And she told the judge, do not show him any mercy. She said, quote, my whole life is different. I don't wear makeup anymore. I don't have friends. I'm always paranoid, but I'm happy to still be here. She also told the judge, quote, I hope you don't show him any remorse because he's not showing any remorse. Now, before the judge announced the sentencing, Wheeler was given a chance to talk as defendants are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes defendants forego that opportunity, but here he did not. And what happened, Khalil Wheeler Weaver maintained his innocence, claiming that he was set up by the Essex County Prosecutor's Office. He said, quote, I do feel sympathy for the victims. My heart goes out to their family and friends. However, I am not the person who committed these crimes. Now, if you recall, Megan, there was overwhelming evidence. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. I remember. So again, if you haven't listened, go check it out because I usually, um, and very, I like to err on the side of caution. And I truly believe that they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that he, in fact, committed these crimes. I think there was overwhelming evidence. By the way, he's not the first serial offender, serial killer who denies or says that he's innocent. Um, When we were working on a project, Mm -hmm. I reached out to a number of serial killers in prison. And I remember specifically Ken Bianchi writing me back and proclaiming that he could not participate in this project because he did not know what it was like to murder someone that he was also innocent of, I think, maybe 12 murders. What was his nickname? He was... Ken Bianchi and Angelo Bono were the Hillside Stranglers, and there was also overwhelming evidence Mm -hmm. of their guilt. So now it was the judge's turn to talk. So the judge remarked that the perp thought all victims would be forgotten. If you recall, he preyed on women who were poor, homeless, mentally ill, and or engaged in sex work. So I, I like that the judge pointed out the fact that he preyed on vulnerable victims, and that's why he thought he was going to get away with this. That's exactly right. The judge also stated that the purpose of the sentence was to ensure that the defendant will never walk free in society again. Ending, he said, the defendant absolutely lacks remorse. Then, as mentioned, he handed down the 160-year sentence. What do you think of the sentence, Megan? Absolutely fair. Took three lives, denies any responsibility. We never want to see um, a serial offender get out. That is the worst case scenario of something that could happen. So we don't want to leave any room for a serial offender to get out. This is, in effect, life without parole. That's definitely life without parole. But that's the exact sentence that I want for a serial offender, especially someone he's youthful. So he was just beginning his career. Exactly. I think that's what makes him so dangerous. 
And I think that is the correct sentence. And I hope that the victim's family and friends and the surviving victims now have some sort of closure and they can try to move on with their lives. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for the update, Amy. All right. Thank you all. And we will see you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is written and hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show while gaining access to ad-free episodes, exclusive AMAs, and other bonus content for a small monthly contribution through Patreon. For more information, visit patreon.com slash womenincrime. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.